0: Ice tea. Go acapella. Now I'm on the West Coast, relaxing and chill. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do,
1: I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Is your host,
0: Rich Eisen. Welcome to another new edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast on the cusp of preseason week number three, the week in which it's dress rehearsal time. This is pretty much the last time we're going to see the ones play at all, if anything more than just the perfunctory snap these guys are going to play a half of football we're going to see maybe even third quarter football and that's how we tend to take a breath go enjoy our labor day weekend and play an nfl regular season that's how close we are to things chris law good to see you sir
2: rich always a pleasure good to see
0: you thank you good to see you chris brockman good to see you rich chris underscore brockman on twitter at topher law P H E R law on twitter yes um good to see you guys uh, earlier in the week we had a uh, podcast chat in regards to fantasy football. Have we located Michael Fabiano yet? Do we know where he is? We he's in New he's York, in New York City with City, me where with I'm you.
2: actually running this sport from out of the booth in New York.
0: Good for you. So I good don't actually see you found you found you found Fabiano.
2: I did find Fabiano He broke yeah. free from His the
0: Google Plus riptide.
2: Well, the I, I mean
0: just he d- he does know that when I do see him again. He's getting an your It's on. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's on.
2: No, we had the guy, a guy from Google was here kind of setting some stuff up. So I think it ran a little long was his excuse, but he apologizes. Oh, I'm
0: sure he does. I'm sure he does, but one time I dedicate an entire podcast—the whole thing. Football. We did an hour, right? I mean, with Damashek yeah. and, and uh, Adam, Adam Reich, part Rank, of yep. the NFL Fantasy Live crew. That was it was a fun time. Can they, people still come to New York and see? Yeah, you yeah, people you,
2: can can still come. Uh, the event goes on, continues on today, and actually goes through tomorrow. Okay, so there'll be a, a at good the people. Best Buy Theater, the Best the Buy Theater in Times Square. Yep, very good. Yep,
0: very good. So buy a snow globe on on the corner, and a <laughs> slice of pizza. And go go to and see. And you can see yourself on television. You not a motorcar. The original
2: Rays, famous Rays, or famous original race? Every guy, r- I,
0: I, the, dude. There was uh, the original race was on Sixth Ge- Avenue and Twelfth Street in in, uh, in Greenwich Village. There was only one race. Everything else was a, a cheap imitation. There you go. The, uh,
2: the original Rays, there's well, there's which is no longer which there is, is no longer there. there. No. There's one up by where we stayed draft week, and uh, it's definitely it's, all good, man. it's definitely the one they used in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> so the, the scene where they're outside and. Uh, yeah, it was a great
0: Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles we're has talk- been called, and I haven't had New York pizza in ages. Oh, it's so good, ages, ages. It's delicious. So uh, we're talking NFC North with Brian Billick, who talked AFC North with us uh, on our first of eight division previews. Yep, on this podcast, um, and um, this is maybe the strongest division in all of football. A 15 win team from last year that fell short, a one and done team once the playoffs hit for Green Bay, understood, but a 15 win regular season uh, a team nonetheless. 15 regular season win team nonetheless. Um, the Chicago Bears, who were cruising towards a playoff spot until Jay Cutler broke his thumb and Matt Forte dinged his knee, and that was the end of that.
2: And a fumble out of bounds a, and a fumble by the running back. Yeah.
0: Uh, that was that was uh, Marion Barber's it's final time. was his final uh, basically his his swan song yeah to the National Football League. So yeah, I mean all that together was was the death knell for the Chicago Bears last year, and the Lions were the second team in, and uh, they drew the short straw of going to um, uh, New Orleans. We talked about that with Michael Lombardi on last week's preview of the NFC East. Where he essentially said if should how somehow, some way, even though it was an impossibility with both the Saints and Giants winning the division, had the Giants drawn the short straw that the Lions drew in the first week of uh the wild card round, playoffs round last year, that the Giants wouldn't have gotten out of New Orleans, that hardly anybody's getting out of New Orleans with that tough assignment week one. But that said, the Lions did go and um and didn't survive it. But they did go. Which is huge for Detroit and for that franchise, the question is, is how big a step forward can they take? With all the off-season shenanigans that went on, uh, many people view that as an indicative of the larger picture that they're still an undisciplined on-field team. We'll see. They uh, they open up, I believe, against... Um, which team do they open up against?
2: The, the, well, week two of the Lions, are, two, the Lions are at San Francisco. Be... Week,
0: two, week one, they're against the Rams at home. So you have to assume they'll take care of business there. No offense to the Rams, but then week two they go—it's uh, the Handshake Bowl. Yes, in in San Francisco. So uh, and then there's the Vikings, Which, and with Adrian Peterson back in the mix, did you see the the uh, the so-called Peterson rules that have been laid down in practice? It's basically a quarterback, right? Well, uh, Jamarcus Sanford of the Minnesota Vikings said this was the orders given to the D about Adrian Peterson quote unquote the rules are simple do not touch 28 if you touch him you're cut Wow, that sounds like, by the way, how, like Dion. Yeah, yeah, if you ever, if you've ever, watched, have you been watched a game with Dion? You ever been fortunate enough to watch a game with Dion? Like sit with him, Yeah, and watch him? yeah, no, I yeah on a Sunday, or I whatever. talked over a few times. To have not. Scr- Anytime he sees somebody do something stupid on the screen, he goes, "Cut him!" He screams at the screen, "Cut him!" Other times, he will say, "It's a good thing I don't coach in the NFL because I all would, these guys, would get cut. These guys would get cut before coming back to the sidelines. Cut him, just for dumb stuff. Dumb stuff. Here. Cut him." Now touching Adrian Peterson in practice—that's dumb.
2: He either yells out "Cut him" or "Pay to man."
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. cut <him> or <laughs> one or the other. Pay to There's man. no gray area with with Prime. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with
2: Leslie though. That's a that's grounds for cutting. No, no. Uh,
0: I mean, I I don't know if that's the truth if they really did say that if you're going to get cut <laughs> if you touch him. But I'm okay that's with it, that, man. That I mean, the though. fact that he's off pop and the fact that he's active—that's huge. The now, next, the, I mean, you know, they need him. I mean, how, how do you evaluate your quarterback? How do you go into another season with Ponder with few weapons for Ponder to to go uh, to complement Ponder with? You know, they went and got John Carlson, the tight end. He dinged his knee up. So yeah. it's still, Kyle Rudolph is running a solo show there. I was going to say they really haven't given Ponder any help in the receiver core. Yeah, I mean Percy Harvin doesn't bad. want to be there, but he's there. Adrian Peters, well, thats what he said, you know—in the in the OTAs. Maybe the case still too, but but I don't uh, think you say it if it's not the case, Brian Billick, who who made his initial bones as the offensive coordinator for for the record-setting Vikings team of '98.
2: The defensive, uh, yeah, the uh, yeah, that's right. The offensive mind going to he was the, the defensive offensive mind Ravens. going to the yeah. defensive
0: Ravens. Everyone yep. said then to wrap it up, and they did win it a couple of years later. That is one of the great uh, missing rings episode of yeah, our NFL film. I know the ninety eight. I won't be bringing teams. that up with Brian. No, 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 no definitely no, no. not.
2: He also the first coach to ever accept the hard knocks. The, to, the, they were the inaugural. Yeah, well, hard knocks. Were,
0: I know, and he used that as a motivation. Yeah after they won the Super Bowl. But I, I won't bring up the the, no, no, the no, missing no. rings no. with Brian since I believe the last time he was on, there was sort of an awkward ending where... A he pregnant pause? About, yeah, about how much money he's being paid to appear on the podcast. Which he's getting is, the same as all of us. Which is yeah. zero. <laughs> zero. <laughs> Let's get to the NFC North with Brian Billick. He expertly broke down and previewed the AFC North for us earlier this month. Returning to the Rich Eisen podcast to talk about the NFC North right now is Coach Brian Billick. How are you, Coach? I am doing great. Uh, thanks for coming back on the show. We appreciate it. Even though last time you were on, uh, it did seem that you were, you were upset with the compensation level of your appearance fee, uh, which is currently zero.
1: Well, I'm not, and, I'm, not like the, I'm not willing to hold out yet, but I'm, okay. I'm like the player that's going, I trust, I trust the organization. You I came in. You. I, I realize when I make my way back out to L.A., there'll be that bouquet of flowers or something that box of cigars. In yes, office, uh, Yes, there so, will.
0: So I, I trust management. Yes, there will. And, and like a coach, I only talk about the people who are here. That's right. So that's why I'm talking to you right now, and you're here, and I appreciate that. The, the NFC North um, could be similar to the AFC North. Uh, in, in the fact that three playoff teams could reside within it. And last year, it almost was the case. If uh, Cutler and Matt Forte didn't hurt themselves for the rest of the season in successive weeks, the Bears were, were, were cruising towards the playoffs. All of that said, are the Packers still the class of this division?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, what's, what's amusing to me is, have you ever seen a team that went 15-1 and during the regular season go more under the radar than the Green Bay Packers go right now. <laughs> you know, true. obviously the playoff loss to the New York Giants skewed how we all thought. I mean, for a while there, we were thinking, is this going to be a 16-0 slam dunk You know, run to the Super Bowl uh, in a Green Bay Packer team? Um, and, and they're that good. And, and it begins, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers. I think they have the chance to be even better on offense. That's a little scary because I think their offensive line is going to be a little more stable and, and the running game, which has always got to be concerned, picking up Cedric Benson, I think was a good pickup. It's not like he's got to come in and be a 350 carry guy, but to augment what they're doing with Aaron Rodgers, that group of receivers he has, it begins with the offense. Um, they, they got Jeff Saturday to come in. Once they lost Wells, I think they could be even better than they were last year. The problem became obviously on the defensive side of the ball, where they fell off so miserably last year. Dom Capers is going to have them back, and and their their entire draft was defense concentric. Uh, every single, with the exception of the in the uh, the last two picks in the seventh round, an offensive tackle and a quarterback. They took nothing but defensive personnel. They're going to be back defensively. I don't know if they're going to necessarily lead the league, but they're not going to be last in league and defense like they were last
0: year. Yeah, the games that they lost, the two games that they lost, essentially were games in which Aaron Rodgers had an off day and then the defense couldn't, couldn't stop anybody. I mean, the, the, the game that they lost in Kansas City in the regular season, they couldn't get the ball back with four minutes to go. They had it jammed right down their throats by Kansas City. And then the Giants, they turned the ball over four times offensively, and that was a wrap in that respect, too because Eli got it done and they were, they played a very hot team. The question is, is this a similar Achilles heel in the fact that all you got to do is just throw Rodgers off his game a little bit and you can beat the Green Bay Packers because defensively they're not going to get something done. They're not going to be able to turn you over in the manner in which they did in their Super Bowl season. Did yeah, they fix their I mean, problem? That's, that's, that's my long, that's long way of saying that. Of the
1: equation that I'm much more comfortable this year... That if Aaron Rodgers is off a little bit, that defense is going to be better. I think when you look at their draft choices, they picked up a linebacker in Nick Perry to bring pressure on the outside. They add Jarrell Worthy on the inside to go with uh, 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 the interior with B.J. Rodge. They're going to just be a, a better defensive team. They're mm-hmm. going to be a deeper. I think Green Bay Packers are the most intelligently built team in the National Football League, the secondary obviously Charles Woodson obviously is going to begin to show his age a little bit. But like I said, I don't know that they're going to all of a sudden lead the league in defense or lead the league in turnovers as they did in 2010 on the Super Bowl run, but they're going to be in the top half in the top 10 and that's going to be enough to get a I mean, how much better do you have to be to go from 15 and 1 to whatever?
0: <laughs> Just got to you know, I guess play better uh, when when the chips are down. Uh, you know, one guy I'm going to be looking out for, uh, Randall Cobb. I have a feeling that that kid is going to get worked into the offense in a manner that we didn't see last year because he's a rookie. And I don't want to say a game changer because of how good they are offensively, but I'm really interested to see how McCarthy is going to use that kid, you know, the the, the wild Cobb. Offense in Green Bay, which would be really fascinating to me, how they might use him.
1: Oh, absolutely, and I think first off, just from a special team standpoint, like we saw in Week One, That's we had a right. big return. You know, Green Bay, let's remember, was was very poor in, in, in their special teams, even in their Super Bowl year. They were better last year, not league leading. They were middle of the pack, but they were better than they were the year before. He adds that next dimension, and then you're right, Randall Cobb. Not only in what he can do with some of the things out of the backfield, but he can be almost a Darren Sproles-type presence (laughs) in how they might use him in the way that uh, New Orleans does uh, in getting Darren Sproles from San Diego. So you're right. That adds, as though they need another offensive weapon, another dimension to that offense that wasn't even present the last couple years.
0: The Bears seem to have some stars aligned here, uh, Coach. Uh, I know Earl Acker's been dinged up in the preseason. He says he's going to be ready to go. You also have Cutler getting the wide receiver with whom he's had the best chemistry his entire career, and when Cutler came over to Chicago, one of the guys that he wanted brought over, Jeremy Bates, who went to Seattle, Uh, this is the guy who, along with Tice, is going to be in his ear. So he's got his guy in terms of on the sideline, and he's got his guy in terms of uh, outside the numbers. Forte's been paid. Briggs has been paid. Everything's quiet and hunky-dory in Chicago. Can the Bears overtake the Packers to win this division, you think?
1: I'm with you. I think the Bears are very intriguing. I think the best thing that happened to the Bears, the absolute best thing, was losing Jay Cutler last year because they saw, and keep in mind, in Chicago, the well, is he the guy? Can we win? The personality. They realized without Jay Cutler, they sucked. All right, so at least that is behind them. We're not going to have to deal with that. They're not going to have to deal with the fan base. They know without Jay Cutler they're not very good. Yeah. And the best part about picking up Brandon Marshall, in my opinion, is it now frees them to Devin Hester doesn't have to be their number one receiver. They don't have to be hesitant about using him in the return game because he's just he's going to fit in with the receiving core. Brandon Marshall is going to be the go-to guy. Alshon Jeffrey, who they picked up, certainly can be worked in. Earl Bennett, solid. Devin Hester is certainly going to be a factor for him, don't get me wrong. But that really does, they can free themselves up to use him the way he should be used, particularly on returns. And then, obviously, picking up Michael Bush as a backup and, and a yeah. rotation with Matt Forte. No doubt. The biggest concern for, for Chicago is the offensive line. They get Gabe Karimi back. But they really haven't addressed the, the, the offensive line short of taking Creamy in the first round last year. Of course, he got hurt during the season. Um, I would like to have seen them address that a little more specifically. But they have to the degree that now with Mike Tice as their offensive coordinator, their commitment to the style of play, the Lovey Smith really wants to play anyway. He never really was all in with the March style of what they wanted to do. Mike Tice and Lovey Smith... Are very compatible in terms of the way they, the Bears want to win, and that consistency is going to fit into what Jay Cutler does.
0: How will uh, Brandon Marshall's presence outside the numbers? help Devin Hester. What we will, will Hester become the slot guy now that can really create issues across the field and mismatches and things of that nature? Will that, well, keep will
1: in that... mind now, uh, Brandon Marshall is an intermediate guy. He's not a top-end speed guy. Now, you right. have that with Devin Hester. Devin Hester will do the proverbial take the top off the defense, which will, so I'm going to kind of turn it around on you. Sure. It's really what Devin Hester does for Brandon Marshall uh, in that, in that he's going to remove some of that secondary rotation and take that top off the defense that Brandon Marshall could really thrive. And Alshon Jeffries is also a big receiver, so they have that guy that can stretch the field. At some point, you know, it's like the old joke with the with the buzzard sitting in a tree and say, "Hey, forget this. We're going to go kill something." At some point, the secondary says, "Now I'm going to forget it. We're going to come down and take away these big." impact receivers in the intermediate and that's going to give you Devin Hester over the top mm-hmm. so I think it's a good combination for them Devin Hester is the number two but he's a number two guy that can go vertical
0: let's not forget Earl Bennett too I mean
1: absolutely I very mean, steady they're going to have some assets he's a big there, dude. Uh, in a combination and, mo- and more importantly and this is going to sound like a criticism of Jay Cutler and I don't mean for it to because I like Jay Cutler Mike Tice will run an offense that's. Ideally suited for Jay Cutler, which means we're going to play action fake, and Jay Cutler gets to throw what he sees. When he can throw what he sees, that magical arm of his, rather than the anticipation, the read, right. throwing to the open with receiver, the, the stuff. receivers get there, he's going to throw what he sees, and he's going to have some good big receivers that he's going to see very readily and a defense that has to react to the run.
0: And with but with, and, and with Peppers on the other side of the ball and one of the more opportunistic defenses in the NFL. They always seem to be around the football, always stripping it, always going for the turnover. They're always doing that. It's hard to with Forte and this offense, if they put up some points, it's really tough to not talk about the Bears as a Super Bowl team. I really I really firmly believe that, coach. Am I am I you could tell me I'm crazy, but no, no, but, no.
1: I'm, uh, I, I, that is that's a legitimate conversation. You're not going to. You know, everybody at this time of the year says, "Hey, we're a playoff caliber team." Right? You know, it's a bold-faced lie because only about half the teams <laughs> in the league really, really are. <laughs>
0: right.
1: But this is a team that uh, can they challenge the Packers? I don't know. I have more of a faith in what the Packers can do, notwithstanding injury. But are they a legitimate playoff team? and can they be talking about being a Super Bowl contender without being laughed out of the stadium
0: absolutely well week 2 is that's our Thursday night kickoff of the season is is Bears at Packers and the Pack has San Francisco to deal with albeit at home to open the season and the Bears get to beat up on Andrew Luck. I know we we talked in our previous podcast together about how well Andrew Luck looked week one, but you know Soldier Field week one with you know Peppers et cetera bearing down on you is not exactly being home week one of the preseason against the Rams. And then the Bears all they got to do on a short week is go up the toll road and, yeah, and play in Green Bay. When you
1: look at the Bears schedule; what's it's it's got great balance to it in terms of. Um, and, again, you always got to be careful saying, well, they should beat this team. Well, yeah, we'll see when it's all said and done. But at least on paper and as you size it up, they open with the Colts, okay, yep. which is a favorable opening. Then they play Green Bay, as you said. Then they play St. Louis. Okay? Then they got to play Dallas. Then they play Jacksonville. Then they got the big game with Detroit. Then they got Carolina, Tennessee, then Houston, San Francisco. So they've got, they've got the kind of schedule where if they play solidly, um, it, you know, week to week, they're gonna they've got to step up to the really good teams and the good games, and then they they have a team that they I'm not going to say will have an easy time beating, but they should be able to if they can just you know the old adage in the NFL has always been the same: good teams win at home, split on the road, beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and split with the good teams. Now you know the qualifier being well, who's good and who's not? And sure. Judge that. But their schedule lays itself out to if they can work that formula, be solid at home as they are, split with some of the good teams, they're a good enough team to beat the teams they
0: ought to beat. What about the Lions? How good can this team be? What a what a great step forward for Stafford playing all 16 or being there for all 16. And then Calvin Johnson, He, he his airspace is indefensible. There really is no way to defend it. Uh, And defensively, they seem to be stout at times and flat-out undisciplined and hurtful to the greater cause at other times. What about the Lions in 2012 based on what we saw last year?
1: Yeah, we obviously have to begin with the quarterback. I think Matthew Stafford showed that he is on that border of stepping into the elite category. I had questions about Matthew Stafford coming out, about his accuracy. That's been all removed. This guy... I don't know that you can put him in that elite status, but boy, he's right there sniffing around it. And particularly on a team that had no running game. So he had to do that all but with the assets of a Calvin Johnson. He had to do it with everybody knew what he was going to do with the ball. That that moved him up in my estimation. That is the biggest concern I still have for Detroit is the running game. Job at best and the concussion thing is still unresolved. Mikel Leshore has not yet shown up in training camp kevin smith is a good solid serviceable back uh, they've got some guys that, are, that showed pretty good the other night but are they going to be the guys that you know you can build a balanced offense around to help take a little off that stafford uh... and, and what he needs to do uh, and that if, uh, and i think martin mayhew and, and uh... and uh... jim schwartz have done a masterful job of rebuilding let's remember how bad the lions were not that long ago But I will be critical of them. You would have liked They did nothing in free agency. They did nothing in the draft to help address the depth at running back, and that's probably the one thing that you could be critical of. Defensively, again, I think they are going to be very good. Their their style of play leaves them a little vulnerable at times. The secondary, due to injury and due to, you know, Aaron Barry is no longer on the team because of the the off-the-field issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, They lost Eric Wright. Uh, So they're in a transition with that secondary. Uh, in a secondary that has to play, you know, uh, a very talented Jay Cutler and obviously Aaron Rodgers. Um, so yeah, I, they they should be. They have to now. The difficult, most difficult thing for Detroit is twofold. Yes, they've got to get the lack of discipline under control, and you know they'll do all the things that they need to behind closed door. They're not going to be public about it, but you know Jim Schwartz is pounding away on that every day uh, uh, in practice, every night in the meetings. Uh, But the other thing is the expectations now. Mm -hmm. You know, they were a good, feel-good story in terms of where they had come from and the 0-16 season to making their way into the playoffs. Now there are the expectations. They sold out their preseason game in Detroit. The fans are fired up, and there is that expectation of, you know, yeah, we need to take this next step because we've already paid our dues. You've shown us you can be that good. And uh, I can see both wildcard teams coming out of yeah. the NFC North, because I think Detroit and Chicago, assuming that Green Bay wins the NFC North, Detroit and Chicago are that good.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, that, that is, it's tough to see it other way, but, but then there, you know, you, you got Philadelphia, there's Atlanta, whoever doesn't, you know, whoever doesn't win the South, whoever doesn't win the East, that is a possibility for, obviously, a wild card. You never, never know, never know what happens in the West, ever. I mean, that that's a total crapshoot, but I, I do see it that way. And, and Calvin Johnson is the best wide receiver in the league, with all due respect to everyone else who catches the football, correct? He is number uh, one.
1: Absolutely. Just a, you know, and, and there's some great – I mean, how do you, how do you look Larry Fitzgerald Andre and, Johnson. and Andre Johnson in the face and say that? They're, they're, they're pretty good. Uh, but Calvin Johnson, just the sheer physicality, the leaping ability, the complete package, yeah, if you've got to pick one – most people would probably pick a Calvin Johnson.
0: I mean, bracket coverage for him is just to throw him down on the ground.
1: <laughs> well, that's always the thing. When you have a guy like that, the old adage <laughs> always used to be, well, you roll to speed, right, over yeah, the top. Right. You bracket athleticism. But what happens when you do all those things and he just out-muscles you up and go get the ball? I mean, what do you do with sheer size and have all that speed and athleticism as well? It's
0: ridiculous. And as for the Vikings, um, 2012 uh, is is all about 2013, or does this team have a chance to to do something? If Adrian Peterson, the freak of nature that he is, uh, off the pup list by mid-August, which is a shock, uh, and and maybe maybe their first round pick can can keep the, the young quarterback upright enough to see what he can do. Uh, what, what's your preview for the uh, Vikings in 2012?
1: Well, I, I actually like what Minnesota has been doing. I, I just think they're a year late, year or two late in doing it. You know, they they convinced themselves they were still a championship caliber team with the Favre thing, and then the next year, uh, I applaud that they went with Christian Ponder uh, last year. I said then that they'll they'll be glad in 2012 that they play Christian Ponder in 2011, and I think that's true. The pro and I like what they did, like you say with Matt Khalil. The problem is that the receiving core is non-existent. Percy Harvin obviously has a, is a presence for them in in conjunction with hopefully to run the ball well with Adrian Peterson. But if Christian Ponder's going to have a chance to survive and get better, uh, he's got to have someone to throw to. They lost Vasante Schenko at tight end. Kyle Rudolph is, is a serviceable, big, strong guy. It'll be okay. But I don't know that he's going to fill that void. Um, I, I, you're right. I, I think everything in 2012 has to be about how are we going to get better for 2013 but the problem is you, you've got a, a, a coach, Leslie Frazier, that was an interim coach mm-hmm. that has come in now and went 3-13, and has yet to beat anybody in the AFC or in the NFC North. The pressures that are on a Leslie Frazier uh, about building now and, hey, trust us, we're going to get there in the future. And with ownership, you know, the, the stadium issue, they've been asking, the state of Minnesota has been asking a lot of the Wilts to put up with what they're putting up with. Uh, but he's made it clear he thinks of them as a playoff-caliber team. Well, if that's the expectation of your owner uh, and in a city where you're going to have to pay some of these bills and you're looking for a new stadium, uh, it's gonna, it could be a tough year for the Vikings. Yeah,
0: I know. And, and if Frazier doesn't get it done, it could be one of those situations where the Wilfs go out and, you know, beg Bill Cower or somebody that big, fat name caliber um, or maybe ask you to come home. Brian.
1: Well, what happened, and, and once that begins, whether they, no matter what they say about no, 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 we're we're committed to our uh, staff and what we're doing. Once that begins, it starts to cascade in a way that uh, it just looks to be a very tough year for the Minnesota Vikings.
0: All right, coach. You appreciate the time. I appreciate what you did for the AFC North and NFC North previews. I really appreciate you being part of this podcast. So you know that you got it, man. All right, thanks very much. That's Brian Billick on the program. Okay, that's it, everybody. We're good. We're good. We got uh, Brian Billick. That's four divisions in the books. We're halfway through next week when we get Lombardi on with us. Uh, he'll talk the AFC East. Yes. With us next week. And uh, we're getting ready for the playing season. Exciting times. Here is your uh, punters or people to update.
2: Let's hear it. Where are
0: we at? com.
2: Oh, nice. Ah. Bustedtees.com. Is a legitimate enterprise. Legitimate
0: enterprise. This so, is what it's become. This is what it has become. two dot com is still up and running as well, where that's where you can go to enter uh, for a free T shirt. We're still still giving away freebies, and we'll do that continuously on this show as well.
2: But if you don't want to roll the dice with the freebie, you, you want it, you can
0: get it. Get it, all sizes, and all your international sh- folks who are like, how you know, how do we get one? International shipping too, shipping and handling the whole bit, a real operation.
2: How many colors are we going with? I don't know. Option? I don't know.
0: I don't know. That I don't know yet. I'm just. I mean,
2: thir- I'm right? just trying to get this thing up and running
0: Look. so the, to 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 meet the demand. Right. I'm not kidding. We couldn't have predicted the demand is it's insane. It all started with a rant on the draft, and then, <laughs> um, and then that Brian was Hager. one of
2: your better rants though. That it was, was good.
0: That was great. I was off the top. I mean, that was that was heartfelt. And that's what—that's why I think this punters and kickers are people too is available there as well. I think that's why th- this movement has taken flight, because it all comes from the heart. It comes from the heart. I'm, I mean it. I, I think. I think. Am I? I think some of the punters out there think I'm. I'm making fun. I'm not. i not.
2: I'm well, not. we do owe an, uh, an apology to listeners because I did try. Uh, you brought the kickers or people too, sure. A few weeks uh, three. What is that? Three weeks ago. Yeah, now, I wanted to give it to Stenerud. To Stenerud at the Hall of Fame. And, oh, yeah. uh, I was going to ask you. It didn't couldn't couldn't, couldn't track him down. He was the only time I saw him. He was in the pit and couldn't get him because it was oh, during so the so ceremony. Jan was there. You should
0: have just did. thrown it to him like a like at a Gallagher concert or so, <laughs> or, or or gotten those things that you get at at at, at, at a basketball game where they shoot it up yeah. in the stands. Yeah. <laughs> you should have gotten one of those things. And hey, then, Jan, here we go. Here's and here. then you actually
2: report on air. Uh, some fan is getting thrown out of the Hall of Fame ceremonies for throwing something at the only <laughs> kicker, and then you see it's me, and then yeah,
0: it's just... That would be bad. Oh, we can track good. down Jan's address, though, and send him one. Jan's address. Maybe it says... Is that the, shout out, the international shout-out of the week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, Jan. <laughs> absolutely.
2: Tech, that's the international Tweet show.
0: us your address, Mr. Stenerud, and we'll get you a T-shirt. Well, Jan is no doubt a naturalized citizen now, but we're, you know...
2: His uh, his homeland, right? The, uh, net, the Well, now I always get him confused. I'm, I'm, i was either It was either the Netherlands or it was... Uh, How do we not know this off the top Finland. of the... Finland.
0: Look it up. What are I up. doing? Whatever it is, that's, it. That, that's the international shout-out of the week. Sorry I'm taking it out of your hands, Chris. I'm okay with it at this point. Wherever Jan Stenerud is from... That's our international shout-out of the week. we have given Denmark an international shout-out. Because I think we gave a, a shirt away to somebody from Denmark, Denmark has right? gotten
2: a shout-out. Finland has not. So I don't think
0: he's finished, though. <laughs> Where's he from? Norway!
2: Norway!
0: No! Norway. Norway. Excellent. Oh, and, and
2: by the way, uh, we hit, uh, we're hit. we over our 6 million downloads now. Ah. But, uh, as of last week, we're oh, up wow. over 6 million. Another milestone Is that hit. the most Thank of you, any
0: everyone. podcast on NFL.com? That
2: is uh, about is that? six times of any podcast oh, on right? NFL.com. I okay. Believe. Yeah. We're, okay.
0: We're up Neat. There. That's good. That's good. Planting the flag for the rest of NFL media. Absolutely. We like that. And keep those comments coming on iTunes. Keep them coming. All right, everybody. Thanks very much. Chris Law, thanks. Uh, say hi to New York, my hometown. Absolutely, for me. I'll see you when I get back, fellas. Chris underscore Brockman at yeah, Rich Eisen. Thank you. Good. Thank you.
1: Stay listening.